Hi everyone, it's Shendawal, and today the Leadership Habit Podcast is continuing our newest mini-sode series, Work Fails. We've all had experiences when things did not go as planned in the workplace, but people don't talk about it. Great leaders know that failure is a part of life and eventual success depends on how we handle the situations and learn from them. So we decided to talk to people about real life examples of when things didn't go quite right, how they handled it, and what they learned from the experience. And on today's episode of The Leadership Habit, we're continuing our Work Fails series with an interview by Crestcom's one and only Christian Worley. Christian is Crestcom's motion graphics media and video specialist, meaning he's responsible essentially for all of the dynamic videos that we incorporate in all of our trainings. I'm so excited to be interviewing Christian as he shares our work fails, because remember, we all have the failures. We don't have to suffer in silence, but we can learn from them and help each other. Christian, I'm so happy that you were able to share with us the work fails, because we know that there are just so many people. We've gotten a lot of positive response from this series because it's helped a lot of people. Um, I think we're conditioned to not really talk about our failures because it means that, you know, we should be embarrassed of it. It's something that we could have prevented or it's something that in some way sends a message about who we are as leaders, but really knowing that our failures are really part of our growth strategy and part of our success story. And I understand that you have a few. So Christian, before we get into it, why don't you tell our listeners maybe what you do, what your role is? So I am the video editor for the most part. Uh, I've done this for some variety of for the last 20 years. So seen enough fails and had enough fails to have a story to go with them. Yeah. So I know that we are going to be talking about a few, and I love that you're bringing in even a different side of the of the business that maybe not a lot of people see, which is that video side of what can go wrong behind the curtain, which is everything that goes into production. So you have a story that has to deal with essentially something that could have been prevented. Yeah, so this happened probably... Well, this was the early 2000s, so we were going from, I worked at a post house at the time, and we were going from SD, so standard definition, to high definition, HD. So the company I was working for had the idea to invest in a camera. Great idea. Uh, Try to pull in more uh, business for our place and also the sister company that we were part of. Uh, which was a production company. So this is a big deal. This was a big capital investment because it was something yeah, that could... I mean, close to $100,000 investment. So Wow. Took, yeah. So it's a big leap, but we felt that between the investment and what we were going to get back, that it was a good investment looking forward into uh, the future. Yeah, the camera could allow you to do more things. Yeah. So the first shoot that was scheduled was with the sister company and they go out, they have the, their video shoot and everything goes great. You know, as you know, as you've been on set, you know, everybody gets chummy afterwards and, you know, it's kind of a, one of those big steps you get done, you know, there's pre-production and then there's production and kind of once you get everything recorded, it's like, oh, great. We got that done. Yeah. You can kind of take like, yeah, just from that experience of knowing that the work is done, all the heavy lifting is done and That's just kind of the end to all of the planning that has led up to the actual production. Exactly. So everybody was, you know, starting to pack up, you know, the camera guy got the camera and he put it in the box and then they were taking it out to the car and he's chit-chatting with three other guys and grip and whatnot. And 
he sets the camera down to load up a bunch of gear into his truck and then gets in his truck and starts to leave. Well, when he left, he forgot to put the camera in the truck and backed over the camera. (gasps) He backed over a $100,000 camera. No, he didn't go completely (laughs) over it, but he went far enough that it was damaged. Like that was beyond just a simple maybe screen repair, like what we would do with our cell phones. Yeah, that was, uh, <laughs> send it back to Sony and hope in four months they can send it back to you fixed. Oh, my gosh. And this is something that I'm sure if you're thinking about even what the value of that camera was, the financial value of one hundred thousand dollars. But even with how much they probably attached to the future sales or the future business, how exactly. much additional revenue would be added just through this camera then it's all gone yeah and this was the first shoot this was the first shoot the camera had maybe about five hours of recording done on it oh my gosh (laughs) so it's not even like broke in new it's still like new car smell new oh my gosh yeah and you haven't even been able to use it to actually generate revenue yet So what happened? Like guy gets into his truck or van and backs over the camera. That has to be the just the worst sound that you're running over once you figure out what it is. So what happened if I told you that when I say the box, it was the cardboard box that was shipped in. It was sitting in the box that it came in and they were moving around that way. So it was a how to put this nicely, uh, epic fail on the management side of You know, we have a production company and we're pretty familiar with, you know, all sorts of gear, lighting gear, uh, grip gear. So the things that hold up stuff on set. And so we're pretty knowledgeable. I mean, our company has been around at that point for 30 years. So it's not the first rodeo of going out and shooting something. We've done it before. And I don't know why, but there was no camera case ordered for the camera when it was purchased. So they were lugging the camera around in the cardboard box that it came in. My gosh, which is so, that blows my mind considering the value of the camera that, you know, if if what's inside the the box is $100,000, would you use something that's free and can be easily broken as the thing to protect that value? Right. I mean, as most people see when they get packages at home, cardboard boxes don't usually make it through shipping very well. Right. So why a camera could do that, I don't know. But yeah, that was... That's a pretty big work fail. And I think, what do you you think is the lesson from that? So basically, the guy ends up ruining and destroying a $100,000 camera, puts your entire ability to generate additional revenue out of commission for the next few months until you can get a repair... And you could have actually remedied that situation by also ordering a case for it right. instead of not having the protection be a cardboard box should anything ever yeah, and happen. It was, and it was just kind of the overlying failures on a management side of, you know, there was no case, there was no checkout system. So if you wanted the camera, where do you go get the camera? I don't know. Who has it now? I don't know. What gear did they take with the camera? Who knows? So there was just this huge lack of i don't want to call it foresight because there wasn't that either but there was just no 
thought of, huh, we should probably protect our investment. Right. Or they probably just made the assumption, like, people will know this is valuable. They'll take care of it. Whereas that's not always enough. I mean, how many people, how many of us have dropped our cell phone? I mean, it's a $700 phone, but gravity happens and it drops. And, you know, you didn't mean to drop it. It just dropped. My gosh. So, I mean, moral of the story is if you're going to make a pretty big investment, what are you going to do to protect your investment to make sure that the you know, that it still has integrity, that it can still perform its function that you needed it for. Um, and to not, you know, I think the other thing that maybe could have happened because I've seen this and maybe it didn't happen there, but I think it's funny because I think people sometimes are willing to invest in a thing that is really expensive, whether that is a phone or a computer or sunglasses or whatever that is. But then when it comes down to a case, then they're like, oh, I don't need the case. Like, right. it's okay. Like, I'll I don't care. I'll be on my head all the time. I don't wear <laughs> sunglasses all the time. Right. I don't need a case. Right. And then all of a sudden, hindsight 2020, like, computer breaks, sunglasses break, and you're like, dang, I wish Should I would have had that. the $10 case. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> that, you know, sometimes it pays to just invest in that small amount, even though that amount is significantly less than the item in there. Yeah. That is still protecting the value. And so that's just, I think, part of the stakes or the the what you need to do to be able to actually own that is to know that you have to take care of it. Yeah. Okay. That's a pretty epic fail. hundred thousand dollars kills your chance of generating revenue. All could have been solved by a simple case, but just no forethought, no thinking about that. (laughs) Just assuming people are all taking care of things and human error happens. Okay. You have another story. I do. And you said there is a surprise element of it. So I call it the surprise story. So I'm not sure what the work fail message is, but I am excited to hear it. So when I first started off at the post house I worked at at the time, this was, I started there in 2000. So uh, when you start there, they put you at the bottom of the rung, which was in the tape room. So the tape room was essentially a room that fed and generated the rest of the building for content. Most at that time, most stuff was still on analog tape. So you'd load up a tape for the video editor upstairs. He would do his thing. He would lay back off to a tape. He would record his uh, finished commercial to the tape, and then it would go to duplications or wherever else it was going to go. So I had done that for probably four or five years. And then as the progress grows, you go from tape room, then you're a junior editor at night, and you prep material for the editors. And then after a while, you know, if the edit, one of the big guys upstairs leave, you become an editor. So one of the things in the tape room is that you run dubs, duplications. So when you get oh, a dub. that's du- what dubs mean? Yeah. So it's, I never knew that. Yeah. Okay. So when we would get a dub order, a duplication order, it would be of, you know, you get your paper and it would have, you know, is it this spot? It's for this client. It's on this tape. It has this ISCII code number and it needs these four other things, you know, video signals and all this other stuff. Okay, and then you run your dub, and then the first thing you are ingrained to do is hit stop, rewind, and check it. To make sure all the changes went through? So so that you have now made a complete duplication of the original master. Okay. So you go through, you grab your dub order, and you go through the same steps. Is this the spot? Is this the client? Is this the spot the client needs? Yes, yes, yes. Is it meeting all these technical specs? This okay. is your double check or your safety check or this all of the catch-up. Yes, this is your this is part of your job of, you know, you did the dub, you checked it, and it's done and ready to go. Because after you do this, it goes to the television station and goes to air. There is no redo after this point. 
Yeah. Once it's live, it's or once it aired, it aired. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. that's if you don't do that and something ends up sliding through the cracks, I imagine that could be bad in a variety of ways. <laughs> in a variety of ways, yes. So I had been there probably at this post house. So I was going on 10, 11 years and it was, uh, I was moving on. So usually when you're a uh, video editor or even a speaker stuff, you usually tend to have a demo reel or a it's kind of a series of clips that, you know, show your talent. So I was getting my uh, demo reel together. Awesome. You know, I got it all put together, you know, three and a half minutes of awesomeness of what I'd done in the last, you know, seven years. Yeah, you're probably like, good job, Christian. I am awesome. <laughs> Look at this. So I got that done. And then, you know, at this time, DVDs were the main uh, format to send out uh, your demo on. So I go down to the tape room and, you know, I'm usually there's like three to five guys in there, you know, given time during the day. And I'm chit-chatting with the guys as I'm, you know, running my dub for my DVDs for my demo reel and, you know, chit-chatting and, you know, as I'm, you know, at that time, I'd probably say I was a little more hot shoddy of when you get comfortable in a spot, you kind of do the, what I consider kind of that, kind of the rooster strut of, you know, you're just kind of the. Get a little cocky. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, I've been here out of the way, kid, you know. So I run my DVD dubs make about five or six copies. So then I start going to interviews. And the first interview out of the gate goes really well with this gal that was uh, worked for a cable company and one of the channels there. And I was going to be an editor there. And, you know, we had this really great interview. Everything goes awesome and super well. And leave her an extra copy of my resume and my demo reel. Sweet. Awesome. This is going great. Totally going to get this job. I'm feeling great. You know, <laughs> when you leave, you know, you had those interviews when you leave and you're like, oh, that one went really good. You know, I didn't bomb too bad there. So a couple of days go by and it's like, oh, wait for the email. Then the email comes in. All right, great. Ooh, here it goes. You know, start reading. Dear Christian, it was great being with you. Blah, 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 blah. It's like, oh, this is going great. Oh, I just can't wait to get to that part, you know, and it was period. Unfortunately, your demo reel was blank. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So the one thing that you needed to essentially secure the job, yeah. you didn't do. Yeah. So from years and years of being ingrained of these three steps of you make a dub, you check your dub, you make sure before you send it away that it's right. I didn't do the basic steps that were just ingrained into me year after year after year after year. Especially after you were all cocky, like yeah. I've got this all oh, figured yeah. out. What happened? Well, uh, I didn't hear for, other than that email. <laughs> I, I mean, I sent a very nice email back to her saying, I completely understand. I apologize. And, you know, that be that. And I had sent out two other blank demo reels, blank demo reels <laughs> with, <laughs> with, uh, with my resume and surprisingly I didn't hear back from them. So. <laughs> so I mean, I feel like in the in the equivalent of maybe someone that wouldn't have a demo reel, but it would probably be like sending a resume just littered with errors, like yeah. something that is obviously just not what's going to make you seem attractive or just something where they would assume like this is obvious, like you're in this 
space, you yeah. do production. So you understand that you always need to check these things before you ever send them out. Yeah. And so there's an assumption there, I'm sure, about like your attention to detail, your yeah. ability to You do say this. you're great at attention to right. detail, but the one detail you really <laughs> right. needed to nail you completely missed. That's yeah, that's kind of I've definitely reviewed resumes in a past life and saw I've seen the wrong phone numbers, I've seen a missing phone number and given that that's such an important piece of a resume when those yeah. things don't work out, it's very hard to want to try to figure out how to get in touch because there's so much that you could argue is said about their lack of attention to detail yeah. to making sure that they're going to get a call back. Yeah, I always kind of think of it, you know, your resume and demo reel are speaking for you when you're not there. So when you're not there, what are they saying for you? You know, apparently yours is saying nothing. Mine is saying <laughs> two minutes of blank space. What did you like? How did you recover? What insight did you gain from? Kind of uh, you know, the, the first, you know, the first thing that goes through your head is you want to blame someone. You know, you always look like you always feel like you need to kick the dog somewhere else instead of saying, no, that was completely your mess up. You know, I think that was the main thing of just owning it, just owning that colossal failure. And then you're like, okay, so now I got to make another demo reel that actually has a picture on it. But I think, you know, there's another lesson that it sounds that's in the, within there outside of ownership. It's also, just because you have achieved success, you have experience, does not make you in somehow perfect. Yeah. <laughs> you, well, there's a reason these things were set up. And just because you're really good at what you did, didn't mean that you were never going to face some of those things that you could have fallen in. You know, missing the little things that you've been so accustomed to always doing that usually the second, you, it, at least for me, the second you've taken it for granted is the second that usually comes back to bite you. So when you start taking the shortcuts, you're like, I don't need to do yeah, that. I don't good. have time for that. I already know how this works out. Push posh, I'm good. <laughs> yes. And I think that's really common as we get in. Like we do get a little cocky just yeah. naturally because we think we've seen everything before or that we've mastered it so well that we could possibly not make a mistake. Whereas the mistake can absolutely happen. That's right. Well, thank you so much for sharing your work field stories with, a Christian, with us, Christian. I love that. I especially love just even... If you're thinking about applying for a job, you know, you can recover from it. You may not be able to recover quickly, but obviously you're fine. You'll be able to find another job, but definitely making sure if there's anything where you're putting that even that resume forward or the demo reel forward that, you know, you're double checking that because those are the ones that we often think are just so boring or we don't have to pay attention. That's what's going to speak for us. But if that doesn't do the talking for you. There, right. yeah. there won't be anything said. That's right. So thank you so much, Christian. I appreciated your stories. And I'm so glad that we got to finally bring you in front of the microphone instead of behind it. I know. It's very exciting. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to today's Work Fails mini-sode. If you enjoyed or if you know someone that maybe is in a similar situation, share this with your friends. Leave us a review. Our goal with Work Fails is to help everyone understand that mistakes happen And it's not a matter of whether they happen. It's about how we deal with them. So if you found this podcast episode useful for you today, feel free to share it with your friends or give us a review on your favorite podcast streaming service. Thanks for listening.